You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. Hey everyone, welcome to Nowhere to Run. Thank you for downloading the show. Today is kind of a special episode. We're going to be playing an interview that I did with Victor yesterday. Victor is a guy that some of you may remember from Victor's story, a what's become kind of a classic Nowhere to Run episode. And if you haven't heard it, I would highly recommend that you check that one out before this one. You can find a link to it in the show notes of this episode, which will be posted on 1228-2012 on NowhereToRunRadio.com. You could also probably do a general Google search for Victor Story, NTR, for Nowhere to Run, and find it. There's also a video out that uh, is just takes a little small section of that interview and made it into a video. But I would highly recommend listening to the entire uh, episode called Victor's Story. And this is uh, the follow-up interview done somewhere around two years later with Victor. And I hope that everyone enjoys it. You can contact Victor uh, in the also in the show notes. I'll put his contact information. And I'll also be posting the, the testimony of Johnny that's mentioned here, as well as the video that Victor uh, did of that testimony, the so- sort of shortened version. That'll be posted on Revelations Radio Network Weekly. And I encourage you to check that one out if you haven't heard that one as well. So... Without any further delay, here is the interview that we did yesterday with Victor. Okay, so I guess we can get started and just kind of just just take the floor, Vic, and just tell us what's on your heart and what what you've been thinking about the last uh, the last uh, I guess few years. All right, yeah. So I guess it's been I don't know about two years. Is it been? Yep, sounds about right. Yeah, almost two years since uh, we last talked. So yeah, God is uh, still working and doing mighty things and my life and my family's life. Uh, first off, I want to give permission to the listening audience, who, one, I thank God for all of you. Uh, I heard I heard back from a lot of you from from the, the original Victor's story, and uh, I was humbled by that. It was just amazing to see how God could use that. Uh, never, and I, I limit God, and I need to stop limiting God, because I never in my wildest dreams imagined that that would do what it did, but all praise to God for what for my testimony, which is a testimony unto Him and His and His love. And uh, I want to give permission for anybody out there to either one contact me, but uh, criticize me, uh, anything, rebuke me, whatever it might be. If I am in error, I give permission to anyone to correct me uh, with the Word of God, of course, in a in a in a godly way. But uh, I, I don't want to lead anyone astray. I don't want to. You know, I don't want anyone to think, uh, if I'm off, I want to know it. So I give permission. I just want to throw that caveat out there for starters. Yeah, and I think, you know, you've uh, there's been certain people that have contacted you that have really, um, you've been really helpful with, you know, and I've been in contact with them as well, and just sort of basic discipling stuff. So, uh, you know, I just want to encourage people about that as well. Yeah, I, welc- I uh, welcome that. I, I'm, yeah, I'm reachable. Uh, I'll get back to you when I can, just like, like Brother Chris does with you, with some of you guys. But, uh, yeah, if anyone's got questions, I'll do my best to answer them. If you need encouragement, if you need prayer, um, that's one of the reasons God's got me here. So, And I'll put the, your email link, whatever one you want to. I'll put it in the show notes, or you can give it out now, or whatever we want to do. Yeah, uh, V-I-C underscore Andrea. That's Vic underscore Andrea at msn.com. And, uh, again, I'll do my best to get a hold of you. I'm also on Facebook. My name is Victor LaBarbera. 
Yeah, so Absolutely. just wanted to share that. Uh, gay Pride Parade. This, last year, went to the Gay Pride Parade. We had 11 people this year come with me, which was really cool, which was more than last year. I think the previous year I had like seven or eight. That's cool. What do you guys do when you when you go there? Okay, so yeah, this past year was interesting. So as, as soon as so okay, so we crossed the street. Uh, it would have been Clark Street. So all of us are crossing the street, and actually I should say nine of the eleven. Nine of us were crossing the street. As soon as I crossed the street to get over to the side of the parade, I got I could just feel the oppression. I could feel the hurt. I walked across the street and I fell to my knees immediately. I, it was I've, it was a weight that I've never felt before in my life. It was such a heaviness. It was just, it was undescribable. And I fell to my knees, and I just cried for a minute or two. I don't know how long. And all my friends stopped, too. They didn't even notice me. They were ahead of me, but they stopped, too, and they felt something. And all of them just turned and were like, we need to pray. You know, and we had been praying before we got there, but, yeah, it was, wow. So it's, uh, after we were done praying and, you know, we just started ministering to people. Just started, we, we just... You just, as the spirit leads you, you just go to people. Um, are you familiar with the uh, Raelian group? Yeah, they were there, and hmm. they had uh, they were passing out a lot of literature, and they were passing out. They had a huge sign. So I went to the Raelian group, um, and they were telling people that the aliens want us to be gay because hmm. they're at the gay pride parade. So I guess that was like a way to get to, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. So I was I was questioning the guy, why would aliens come here, seed the planet, and then want us to be gay? Because gay people live half as long as heterosexual people, and gay people can't multiply. So, Right, well, let me back up and just tell people, listeners, the aliens believe basically exactly as Zachary Sitchin does, that aliens came here, genetically modified early humans, and so on and so forth. Okay, continue. Right, so anyone that's listening to this should, should think, one, okay, the aliens were there, and they were sharing their faith for a lie. So come on, come on, my brothers and sisters in Christ. We got to be out there too. We got to be out there. These guys are out there. They had really nice glossy handouts. I mean, they they had some nice stuff. They spent some money to go out there and let everyone know that the aliens wanted them to be gay. So <laughs> if so, you know, if they can do that, come on, we can do. We can be out there. And you know, you know who else was out there was the um, Westboro Baptist. <sighs> So the, it, I'm talking like the first 10 feet, I get over to the parade side, and I'm I, the first 10 feet, Raelians and Westboro Baptists. That's what I was dealing with as soon as I crossed the line. I was just like, oh, my, gee, my knees, this is crazy. So Westboro Baptists, I tried talking to them, and you know what? This is going to sound crazy maybe, but I actually agreed with about 80 to 90% of the things they were saying, but it was the spirit that they're saying it in. They were like, it seemed that they were happy that people were going to hell. And that is what I, you know, had a problem with. It was like kind of, you know, they're like, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire? <laughs> right. You know, and so it was just the spirit that they were of. Yeah, just. Right. I mean, it's uh, it's just such a, such a terrible thing because um, that's sort of the representative of, of Christianity to most uh, homosexuals and they just, just, Fall right into that uh, that mold, and uh, it's unfortunate. It's, it's like a, you can't go there. It's the one place you can never go. You know. Well, we know we can't be a Christian because that's that. You know. And uh, I think it's a, it's a matter. I mean, what do you find in in terms of one on one conversations with homosexuals that you find to be um, one of the more liberating things that they can hear? Or how would you approach it? 
Well, you know, I don't focus on the homosexual sin because I think when they find out I'm a Christian, and that's what, immediately they turn to that. And I'm there to let them know that any one of the sins will, you know, disqualify you for heaven. You know, lying, stealing, any of those things, blasphemy, those, any of those, you know, if you've broken, you know, one law, you've broken them all. So I try to steer away from the homosexuality thing, and I don't know if that's, some people might say, well, you're being, I don't know, you don't have a backbone or something. But when you do, it just, it doesn't go anywhere. I've learned with experience, I guess, that it doesn't really go too far. Because that's such a stronghold for them. Because they're there to celebrate their pride in being that. Because they've, they've been ashamed of it for so long. They're going there to be with like-minded people and also to hook up. And they're going there, you know, to take pride in that sin. So to try to get through to them that, homosexuality is a sin, I'm going to leave that to the Father. I'm going to let, I'm going to let Jesus take care of that. You know? I'm, going to, I'm trying to introduce them to Jesus. I'm trying to get them to realize that they are a sinner and that they need the grace of God, that they need that Jesus died on the cross to cover their sins, but they need to not only accept that, but they also need to turn from their sins and repent. So getting them to repent of homosexuality at a gay pride parade is pretty tough. Right. I find that uh, that just about everybody, you know, homosexuals included, uh, would be relieved to know the basics of, you know, John uh, three or 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 even, you know, Second Corinthians five, twenty one, that 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 there is a new birth, that there is a new creation, that that, that Christianity is real. It's uh, something that happens to you and and you become a different person after uh, you know, after repenting and changing your mind about, uh, you know, rebellion against God and, and that there is hope, that there is renewing and refreshing. And I think that's a that's a message of, of good news to people that are, that, that you don't have to convince them that they are in a, in a negative place, a place that they would prefer not to be, desires that they would prefer not to have, you know. I mean, to, to let them know that there's hope a lot of times is, is a really strong witness to not just homosexuals, but everybody that's in bondage to sin. Yeah, and you know they—they—it's it, all a mask. I mean, they—they they already are feeling they—they they want something better. They, you know, they—they, you know, they—they they want something better. They—they they might put up a front when they're there sometimes, but the people there are really lost, and you could just feel it. Um, yeah. So we had uh, two other brothers join us at the gay pride parade. Like an hour later, they crossed the street and they hit the same spiritual wall that we did at the same spot. They didn't even know what happened to us. So they came and joined us an hour later. They at that same spot. They just they had to stop and pray, and they started reading the Word of God out loud. Just started reading Scripture out loud. And yeah, they came. You know, some people kind of attacked them at first. When people hear you know the Word of God being preached on a street corner at a gay pride parade, they had people just flock to them and started saying things to them. But then when they heard, but then when they would hear them out and realize that they were you know what they were preaching, then they uh, they changed their tone. It was interesting. But you know, a lot of people put up walls immediately when they hear, you know, the Word of God being spoken. But uh, we saw healings. We prayed for a guy with his back, and, man, this guy, 60 years old, starts doing back bends. He was like, he felt fire through his back. He's like, I haven't felt like this. I've never been able to bend over. He was like, praising God. It was amazing. And we just, we had just so many cool things happen. I was speaking to a woman, and um, I, I reached in my backpack. I was just listening to her talk and I was just talking. I hadn't even spoken about Jesus yet. I hadn't said anything about God. I reached into my backpack to get her a tract 
And I look at her, and she starts crying. And I go, why are you crying? And she goes, I don't know. I, this is amazing. This feels amazing. And I'm like, what? And then I just, and then I felt it. I just felt, man, the presence of God came over both of us. It was so beautiful. I started crying. It was, it was amazing. And I was like, do you feel that? And she goes, yeah, what is that? Said, That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. I'm like, God is just drawing you. And she goes, I was, I've been praying that God would, you know, you know send, if he was real, would send somebody. And there's, I hear that all the time from people. God answering that prayer through me. That I've been praying that, someone, that God would send somebody and show me that God is real. This woman was wrecked. I hadn't even spoken anything yet about God. And, oh, it was just so beautiful, the presence of God here in the middle of Game Pride Parade. So it was just so cool. Then I got to, re- then I got to sh- share the full gospel with her, and it was, it was awesome. So, we, yeah, we saw all kinds of things like that. We saw healings. We just, people just testifying to one another. Just, yeah. So I just encourage people. There there's, doesn't have to be a Gay Pride Parade. There's a St. Patrick's Parade. There's a Thanksgiving Parade. There's got to be something, a fairground. There's, there's, there's lots of people that, want, that need to hear the gospel that want to hear the gospel. Somewhere near you. Sometimes you only reach one person. Wouldn't that one person be worth it? You know, I I think so. I know so. My Bible tells me so. So, I encourage everyone keep going out to those things. You know, it's it's bearing fruit. I, I know it. And I still have a vision for for ten thousand believers to descend upon the Chicago Gay Pride Parade. I mean, there's two three million people at that thing. It's huge. And I just know what a difference we can make for the kingdom if we if we keep hitting it. It's the last Sunday in June. Anyone that's uh, interested, contact me. And uh, they have them all over the country. And I'm sure there's one close to you. So uh, an update. Um, Keith, the truck driver. Keith, the truck driver, is getting married. So praise God for that. Um, I continue to have a phone relationship with him. I don't really get to see him because he's on the road a lot. But uh, uh, he's not a believer yet. I'm still believing if it's not me, someone else is going to come along and water those seeds. But, yeah, he's getting married. And he just recently bought a house. Um, yeah, Brian... Uh, Brian, who lived with me, the, the gentleman that I met in prison when I was uh, uh, doing a prison ministry that came to live with us for a year and a half, got a great job. He just got married, and I was the best man at his wedding. How cool is that? So here's a guy, total stranger. I meet him in prison, and now he, he moves all the way from Ohio to where we were in northern Illinois, and then he finds he, he finds a bride up there because of us, you know, bringing him up there, and uh, it's just so cool. And now... And what he's doing, he's restoring that family. There was there was pain, there was this and that, and God's just using him in the middle of that family. It's just so cool, so cool. He's just on fire for God, and he's got a great job. they got a house now. They're married. That's good stuff, so praise God. Oh, that's good. Um, you still doing a lot of the prison ministry, or I is am, that on the list? I am, and they've asked, they've asked me recently to um, to head up a uh, to head up a, a weekend of bringing people into prison. So they want me to actually become like a director. So, wow. Which is cool. I don't know if I want to do administrative type stuff, but hey, I'll lead the thing. Whatever they whatever they want to do, I'll do it. What kind of opportunities are there in prison ministry? Is it mostly like one-on-one stuff or is it speaking or how, how does that work usually? You no, know, uh, it works both ways. It's been cool. Um, typically, it's just one-on-one. So if anyone's interested in doing prison ministry, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll do uh, one-on-one stuff. But it always, I always tell people to be flexible because uh, recently I was in a county jail uh, with Johnny, Johnny uh, Castaneda. If anyone hasn't seen his, uh, heard his testimony or watched the uh, shorter version, the video version, I would recommend it. 
Uh, Johnny is a, a wonderful brother in the Lord, and uh, him and I went to a county jail recently, and um, we got to go in, and we went to every cell block, and we preached in each group, in each cell block. And I wish the whole world could have seen what was going on in that cell block. There were 100 men in this group. 50 of them, 25, 50 of them were hanging over the galley on the second floor. Other guys were sitting on the stairs. Other guys were sitting on the floor. Other guys were sitting in chairs. And for a solid five minutes, you could have heard a pin drop in there. Nobody was making a sound. Everybody was so focused on Johnny's testimony. And it was just so cool. It was just amazing to see. And w when we were done, every one of them made a line to come and hug on us and, and, and just show us love and thank us for coming. And it was so cool. Usually when I go in there, I in this case, I was kind of introducing Johnny. So I would take about five minutes. Johnny would take about 40. And I what I did is I actually went in there and, and I, I just spoke blessings over the men. They've been cursed their whole life. People told them, you're not going to be, you'll be no good. You'll end up in jail like your dad. So I go in there, and I, I, I do the best I can to break those curses and, and just speak life and speak blessings because those guys don't get blessed. No one, no one speaks blessings over them. So I, I went in there to encourage them and speak blessings and, and basically introduce Johnny, who's got a, a, a wonderful testimony. So Yeah, and uh, I'll put that uh, – I'll, I'll post this interview and I'll post uh, repost uh, Johnny's testimony on – the Revelations Radio Network, and I'll also put put the uh, video that uh, was recently made uh, in that post as well. If anybody wants to check that out for for more information on that. So yeah, so what's real cool when we were in the county jail? So since the last time I spoke to you, uh, my wife and I started doing foster care, and um, what a blessing that is. You know, that's hard work, and that's probably that that might not be for everybody. But uh, we fostered uh, two children, and then one of them we had a girl we had for over a year, and. Um, what a blessing she was to us, and it really taught us to love. You know, I, I can. There's times where I'm not a good lover. I, I, there's times where it's hard for me to love people and love them where they're at, and uh, it was hard sometimes. And I'm not gonna lie, but it really taught me to love, and it was really cool to see how my, it taught my kids to love too, and how this girl became a sister to my daughters, and it was it was really neat, and it also changed my neighborhood. I had so many people in my neighborhood who were believers and their kids would see what we were doing and they would ask, you know, ask questions and it really got to, a lot of parents in my in the neighborhood would tell me, they're like, you know, we're going through James and I'm teaching my kid, you know, that this is the true religion, you know, taking care of widows and orphans and, and you know, now my kids think, you know, you know, they want us to start fostering and why aren't we taking, we have a spare bedroom, why aren't we putting kids in it? So it really was changing our neighborhood too, just by having this girl and it taught us to love and it it was really good. It, I, I encourage foster care or even adoption, if, any, if God's put that on anyone's heart. It really, really, really changed our house a lot. We really learned to love. And what was really cool is that so when I was in this county jail, I went to the county jail a year ago, and the, the child who I was fostering, her mom was in the jail, but I didn't know that at the time. Now, a year later, when I was just in there recently with Brother Johnny, the story I just told, the, we walked into a women's group, and it, it, it's rare that they let men go into the women's unit, but they let us go in there, and as soon as I walked into the women's unit, I remembered that my foster child's mom was in that women's county jail a year ago, and it just hit me right when I walked in, and I had, and I had a word for all those women in there. I said, a year ago, I came here. I go, and my foster child's mom was in here. I go, she was in here for running, 
for making. She had a. She was running a meth lab. I go and she was in here, and she had and she was getting into trouble in the jail. Like she she was digging a bigger hole for herself. A year later, when I was in there, just uh, not too long ago, I was able to tell these women. I said, now the this woman is out, has completed drug rehab and her halfway house assignment. I go and she is now getting her kids back and now has a job. And all the women in there just cried. They just cried. I was like, that was just a year ago. I go, one year. Now this woman's being, she has a job, an apartment, and now she's getting her kids back. So it was just, yeah, it was really cool to use, be able to use that uh, that testimony. To the oh, that's cool. It meant everything to them. It was just so, so cool. Um, I've got a question in regard to that. You know, you, there's a lot of need for, um, my, my wife does a, has a one-on-one thing in a local prison uh, ministry where she talks to this lady, and there's a lot of a lot of difficulty in that next step, getting from the jail to, you know, back on their feet, um, you know, finding a job and all those kinds of things. What kind of what kind of things have you found in that regard, If in a, having been in that ministry? Do you find that as a need, or how can, uh, how is that? How can we help with that? I think that is one of the greatest needs. Um, I think that is somewhere where the church really, really needs to step up. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's that's sorely needed. I know many, many brothers and sisters that are back in prison right now because when they got out, they just they didn't know how, they didn't know where to go, where to turn. You know, you know the brother Brian, who, who came to live with us, he was given a bus ticket back to Cleveland. That was it. There was nobody in Cleveland to receive him. There was no place for him to live, and he was off parole, so th- th- he wasn't even eligible for uh, for like government funding to stay in a, in a in a men's shelter or a, like a halfway house or or anything. So, yeah, I mean, we have to be discerned in this area because yeah, there's a lot of people that you know will manipulate or lie, cheat, and steal. So it, it's tough. I, I don't have all the answers right now, but I just know that the system is broken, and it, it's an area where the church needs to really be in prayer about this and how we can ser- better serve these people as they're getting out. Because here's the thing. 90% of people in prison are getting out at some point. That's a fact. And you know what the other fact is? 70% are going to go back. And that should... I mean, that's that's terrible. And if you think about it, I mean, you want to... You wanna, Help the you want to help the budget deficits in, the, in in this country. Each person that's in prison is costing U.S. taxpayers at least twenty to thirty thousand dollars a person. I mean, some of the prisons in Illinois are about thirty six thousand dollars an inmate a year. So we got if 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 ninety percent of them are coming out, we should be at the gates. And there's a few ministries that do um, that actually meet people at the gates, and that's that's something we really need to be taking a long hard look at. It's how to take care of the least of these as they as they return to society. Because yeah, mm. many of them are not hireable. At least from day one, they're not. You know, with the market being the way it is, you know, a lot of these guys get picked over. So then, what are they going to do? So that's that's not, and that, that's something. Uh, I guess I, I could segue into that. So since I've last talked to you, I've moved to Indiana. So the story with that is about. Seven years ago, my wife and I inherited farmland that she grew up on in Indiana. And I've never in my life wanted to be a farmer or wanted to ever have anything to do with farming or living on a farm. Um, But the last two or three years, things have been changing. God's been changing my heart. Um, Chris, when I first met you at the 
the Politics and Religion Conference in Fort Wayne uh, a couple years ago, uh, two years ago. There was a brother there that I met that it was really cool. God, I just felt like God was really leading me to go talk to a guy on the other side of the room. His name was Jeremy, and uh, what a, I'm so glad I was obedient to that because him and I became great friends overnight, just that night. And uh, he had me read a book called Henry and the Great Society. And that book really uh, changed my the way I kind of see things. Uh, and that's a great book. You could pick it up for about a dollar on Amazon. It uh, was written in the 60s. And um, it just really changed my vision for the farmland we had in Indiana as far as living on it with my family. And uh, so my wife and I started making plans. We said, you know, in about two or three years, maybe we'll be ready and maybe we'll move down there. Well, I was wrong. Uh, God had us move in about two weeks. <laughs> so uh, we really felt all of a sudden that God was telling us to get up and move to Indiana right now. So my wife looks online and she found a, a job uh, 20 minutes from our farmland. She interviews for it that Friday, and she got they hired her. They've been looking for six months to hire the position. They've gone through dozens of candidates, and within six days of thinking that God wanted us to move to Indiana, we had a my wife had secured a job in which they were going to buy our house in Indiana, uh, buy our house back in Illinois, so that we can move here to Indiana. Well, check this out. So we put our house on the market. Okay. Now, the neighborhood I lived in, the housing market has completely collapsed in northern Illinois. Nobody in my neighborhood, 120 homes in my neighborhood, not one of them has ever sold, ever. It's a new neighborhood, six-year-old houses, not one of them has ever sold. Okay? I was the treasurer of the Homeowners Association. Trust me, I know the numbers. Not one house ever sold. A friend of mine down the street had the same model house on, on the market for five years, and, he hadn't, and nobody's ever made an offer. Our house was on the market for 30 days and someone bought it. We didn't even need my wife's company to purchase the house. So hmm. God wanted us to come to Indiana. I, we would get confirmation after confirmation, and it's just been so cool. So our vision for the land here, Chris, is a halfway house. We have 12 acres here. That's not a ton. It's enough you can live off of. And I want to do, I want to have some sort of halfway house for people coming out of prison because there is nowhere for them to go. And they could come here, and they can work on our farm, and I will, you know, we'll teach them uh, an occupation. Uh, they'll have a place to live, um, and yeah, that's what we're going to. Mm. That's, that's the vision God has given us for this land. So we went from I was doing my video stuff, and it was starting to increase in Chicago. I even bought a new camera, and I was like starting to do more video stuff, and I was getting excited about that. And it just, yeah, just like that, God said, "Nope, Indiana now." <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. It was kind of hard. It was um, hard to go because you know my men's group was doing so good. It was so cool. The, the men's group up there was 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 going so well. Uh, people were getting healed. We had a pastor of a church from one of the brothers in the group brought his pastor because their church didn't believe the, the elders of the church. They, they don't lay hands. They don't believe in healing. This pastor had cancer. He came to our men's group and he got healed of cancer. The man in the group that brought him said, "I've never even experienced anything like that." Like, he knew that he got healed walking out of there that day, and he had gotten healed of cancer. And we were seeing so many things. We, we had a guy get baptized in freezing ice water because he was so excited to go get baptized. We went out in a frozen lake in December. I mean, we were just seeing so many cool things. Um, it, was, it was awesome, but uh, it was, I hated leaving that. But you know what? God's already doing things down here. We're, we're discipling people already down here. We've only been here for two months, and, and we're discipling. We're getting 
plugged in places and talk about the men's group uh what kind of things were you guys doing there so yeah our men's group here's what was really interesting we split up our men's group and you know my friend quentin and i that were meeting with my guy bill or uh bob that men's group we um Quentin and I were just like, you know what? We we really felt like God was calling us to start another men's group. This group was getting big overnight. It, it was getting 12, 14, 15 people. It started with three people, and it went to like 15 really quick. But, you know, it's, I, I think I spoke this in the last the last time you and I spoke. You know, yeah, we were just keeping it real. And just people, we, we were praying for one another, just speaking what was from our heart. It was really just Holy Spirit-led. There was no really agenda, but at the same time, it, didn't get, it wasn't this free-for-all either. It was orderly and... So many times you would just see how God would use just different people in different ways. It's just amazing. Just 12 guys sitting around a table, and sometimes it would go, this is on a weeknight, sometimes it would go till 1 in the morning. Guys didn't want to go home. It was just, it was awesome. It was awesome. And then we started another group, and I and I knew we were supposed to, but I, I really didn't almost want to because I was loving that group so much. But this was what was so cool. So me and Quentin started another group, and it's just the two of us for about, two or three weeks, nobody's coming, because nobody really knows about it, and we're just believing that God's going to send people. And then, before you know it, there's three, four, five guys, and then one of the young brothers in this group had uh, an appliance break in his house, and a guy came to fix it, and uh, the guy, him and the guy are talking, and, and one thing leads to another, and he goes, oh, well, I have a men's group I just started going to. I just met these guys two weeks ago. You should come. The guy comes to the men's group. His name is Bill. He comes to the men's group, and he goes, uh, seven years ago, I built a room in my basement. God told me to build a, a room in my basement for a men's group, and I've been waiting for seven years. Nobody's ever met in it before. He goes, can we move this men's group to my basement? And the, the room we were borrowing from somebody at, at, a, at a place of business, was they were shutting their business down, so we were being kicked out in two weeks. And this guy just shows up out of nowhere saying he built a room for us seven years ago. And now there's you know eight, ten guys meeting in his basement every week. So God is not slow, and yeah, it was just, we had a, I had a friend from North Carolina drive all the way up to northern Illinois to come to that men's group to get delivered. This guy was heavily demonized, and oh my goodness, we, we saw deliverance and breakthroughs. It was amazing. I mean, it, it just, the things we, the healings we've been seeing, just, it's been amazing. And it's just because there's just a bunch of guys that are seeking God, they pray for one another all week. They share each other's burdens with each other, and I'm praying for that here because you know what? To be to keep it real, I, I'm lacking fellowship. I, I'm I'm like an island unto myself here. I'm in I'm in Indiana in a town of 1,000 people, and I like know three of them, you know. So I'm kind of I'm praying. That is my prayer, and you know that was my prayer up there when I, and God met that prayer. I said, God, I need new friends, and God sent me new, you know, new brothers to uh, to be in fellowship with. And that's my prayer here, and I know that God's going to answer that prayer. So, I'm just. I'm just so, what would you say to somebody that was wanting to start a similar men's group? What kind of uh, what, what would you say how to how to do it and what to what to do while you're there? Yeah, lots of prayer, man. I mean, you just yeah, prayer and fasting, just and believing that God's going to send the people that He's going to send them. You know, I, I don't think I, I, we didn't need to use like marketing campaigns. I didn't need to put up flyers and all that. But you know, may, that's worked for some people, and maybe that's what you need to do. You know, I think you just need to be listening to God and how He's going to proceed to do that. Um, the way people were coming into our men's group was people were just running into each other. One guy happened to work in a building with another guy. He saw his Christian bumper stickers. One day he ran into the guy out there and was like, "Hey, I see your Christian bumper stickers." 
I got a men's group I go to. Would you ever want to go? And the guy's like, what? He's like, I've been looking for fellowship. He started coming. He brought another guy. You know, it's just like, it's just, just divine appointments, just everywhere. God was just answering divine, these divine appointments were happening, and people were just coming out of the woodwork, literally. So that's what I'm believing for up here. And, uh, you know, believe for miracles. God's going to put you in fellowship with, you know, with like-minded people. You just got to keep praying and believing and listening to God. Maybe he will tell you to put up posters. Maybe they're just going to just all of a sudden knock on your door. That's the best advice I could come with because that's what I've that's seen. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but it hasn't been all, um, you know, things haven't been all that great. Uh, there's a couple people I've been ministering to that, you know, they fell back. I had a guy that was came out of prison. I, I administered him for two years. He 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 fell out of fellowship deliberately, and then then he now he's back in jail. And uh, you know, so I really believe we need to be accountable to one another, and uh, you know, share our burdens with each other, share our shortfalls, and just continue lifting each other up in prayer. My brother, my brother who was living with me for several years, he didn't want to live with us anymore. He wanted to go back his own way. You know, now he's back in trouble. So, you know, it's and I grieve those things. I, I'd like to see you know, more fruit, but at the same time, those people made their own decisions, you know. I can only just point them, you know, to Jesus. And if... Um, something that's cool, so, um, I think I, in my last, uh, last time we talked, I, I mentioned a brother named S.J. Hill, and uh, something that's really neat about him, he wrote, he wrote a book called Enjoying God, so if anyone out there is not enjoying their relationship with God right now, I would, uh, Enjoying God by S.J. Hill is a wonderful book. And uh, he's also online. He does some podcast stuff called Enjoying God. And um, so a guy that I knew, a guy I knew of, he's in Mexico. His name is Scott Lee. If you ever did a five-minute interview with him, nobody would ever want to listen to you or me again because they are seeing, like, limbs grow out of people and all kinds of crazy things. So he's down in Guadalajara, Mexico, and he came up to the northern Illinois area to do a three-day I don't know, crusade type thing. He wanted to give back to all the people that are helping him minister down there. So he wanted to give back to the people that support him and minister to them. So he brought up his favorite college professor, who's S.J. Hill. So S.J. Hill lives in North Carolina. I've never met him. And Scott Lee, I only kind of just barely know because he lives in Mexico. So Scott Lee comes to me and he says, hey, my uh, favorite professor, S.J. Hill, is going to come up here from North Carolina. And, I, and God's telling me, that he's gonna he's supposed to stay with you. I said, okay, well if God tells you that, then he's staying here. So S J Hill comes to stay with us, and S J Hill was he spoke at the event for two nights. So S J Hill's staying at our house, and we're just small talking. Hey, where are you from? This and that. My wife says, oh, I'm from a small town in Indiana. You've never heard of it. He goes, try me. I used to live in Indiana. Guess what? It's the same town. So S J Hill was a pastor of a church about a mile from where my wife grew up, and they knew all the same people, but he had not been in this town in like 20 years. So she was able to update him on everything. Well, guess what? S.J. Hill is moving back to this town. I live in a town with like 800 to 1,000 people. And now S.J. Hill, who I stayed with me for a week because a guy that I know knows a guy in Mexico who told him, he, that told God to tell me that he's supposed to stay at my house. And now S.J. Hill is coming to move back here after 20 years. He's going to be moving into a small little town. So I'm just, I know God's doing something here. I don't know what it is yet. If anyone hears from God and needs, and wants to tell me what God's doing here, please tell me, because I would love to know. But I just know that I'm really excited about that, because S.J. Hill is a great brother, 
in the Lord, and I'm excited that he's moving back here. And uh, I'm excited, God, I will do anything with this land to glorify him. I will let anyone live here that God tells me to live here. And, uh, and I, this is a dangerous invitation, but I'm going to throw this out there. If somebody feels like this is something that they want to be a part of, and I don't even know what this is yet, please contact me. I want to know, you know, I'm going to need laborers. I'll need workers. I'll need something. I had, I have a friend that, Devin Wyman, he played for the New England Patriots. He has a Super Bowl ring. This guy is an awesome brother in the Lord. Um, so I, I uh, volunteer for an organization called Champions for Today, and what we do is we go into schools. We bring uh, former NFL athletes and NBA athletes to, to schools, and they're public schools, so we don't preach the gospel, but we pretty much preach the gospel without preaching the gospel. And it's really cool, especially in light of what went happened in Connecticut and just all the stuff we see in schools today. You know, kids kids are exposed to things that you and I, Chris, were not exposed to in our schooling. You know, it, it, it's getting dark out there. And, uh, yeah, we so many testimonies. We go into these schools, and we, we have the kids fill out cards. I would say we get eight to ten cards at middle schools of kids that, we're gonna, that are thinking about killing themselves or are cutting themselves and doing all these things being sexually molested. We had a, a girl say that her mom's boyfriend is sexually molesting her. Please help me. We, we, we turned it into the principal, the card, and the police came and arrested the guy that day, and he confessed to everything. You know, it was really cool. So anyways, I recently was with uh, Devin Wyman of the Patriots, and he comes up to me. He goes, I heard you moved to Indiana. you got to tell me why. And I told him what, you know, what I just shared with you. And he, he just immediately, he looks at me and he goes, Victor, and this is a, I respect this guy, not just because he's 6'7", 350 pounds, and runs a 4'5", <laughs> and has two Super Bowl rings. <laughs> I respect him as a, as a, you know, as, as a brother. Uh, he, he just looks at me and he goes, you're there to start a church. And I laughed because that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> and he goes, no, you're there to start a church. And he's like, no, nah, I, I, he's like, that, that's, that's a word from the Lord. He's like, you're there to start a church. So that scares me a little bit. Um, that's I don't know if scares is the right word, but you know what I mean. That's that's heavy. What do you what do you think about that and and churches? You say there's reservations about it. What what kind of reservations do you have about it? Oh man, it's just wow. It's that's a big responsibility. You know, I take people's. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know what that means. I would shepherd it, but I, just wow. Just yeah, it's just a big responsibility. I'm just. I guess if I have a parent, if I have a paranoia, it is of misleading people. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want to ever mislead people. You know, I, w- I want to point them to the truth. And, yeah, just that, that's, a, that's just a big responsibility, starting a church, I guess. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be obedient to that if that's what, you know, God did, wants me to do here. Uh, I don't know why that's more intimidating than starting a halfway house for prisoners. <laughs> <laughs> Do you do you feel uh, do you feel like that you um, that you have the you know predisposed to do that to do that kind of thing church planting or do you think yeah, it sort no, of goes against your I know I can um, I, I I mean I, I I claim you know John fifteen five over my life I you know you know with him nothing is impossible so I you know I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength so I know I I know with him I can do anything so I. And that's, I think, what prevents us from doing so many things. There's people that I've, I've, 
I've had respond after hearing my testimony and be like, wow, that's great, you did that, I can never do that. And it's like, listen, yes, you can. And if you can't, if you say you can't do that, fine, you can't do that, but God can do it. So believe in God to do these things, you know. When we're at our weakest, that's what he's stronger, right? So we, in our weakness, rely on him. You know, it's so, so often we rely on our own strength to do things. There's so many things I can do without God. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't mean that blasphemous, <laughs> in a blasphemous way. There's, like, so many things that I do in my own strength that I probably shouldn't be doing in my own strength, that I should be relying on him to do. And, um, yeah, I can be a strong person, but I, I need to decrease so that he can increase. I, I need to be relying on God more. And uh, that's something I probably don't do often enough. I, I, I need to rely on him more. So I know I can do it. I know with him uh, it's going to happen, and I'm excited to do that. You know, it's like, What's been interesting to me during this whole journey of God preparing my heart to even move to Indiana, I'm a city guy, you know, and so being out in the country, it's kind of weird. I don't get to just, like, walk the streets and street witness like I used to. And, you know, so what what does it mean, you know, it, it, you know, in Revelation, it, you know, it says come out of Babylon and Second Corinthians 6.17 says, you know, be separate, you know, t- touch no unclean thing, you know, all these things. Like, so what does that really look like? You know, and now I really feel, I feel like almost Amish where I'm living. In fact, there are Amish people here where I live, which is interesting. I used to, I'm learning a lot about Amish people while I've been here. And one thing I've observed of them, you know, I, I respect them in many great ways, but at the same time, I don't see them being salt and light. So, you know, we're, you know, they don't really witness to people because in order to become Amish, you have to be born Amish. So, um, yeah, I guess not. So... With me moving here, I've been really looking at, okay, what does it look like to, you know, to be separate from the world, but at the same time being salt and light? Because we're called to go and make disciples. We're called to go share the kingdom, you know, to all creation. And those are things, those are mandates that I want to be walking in, but at the same time, not being of this world, you know, but still being in it. So I don't want to be totally isolated where I'm not able to do the things God wants me to do, but at the same time, separate. Do you, do, you, do you know what I'm saying with that? Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, as far as uh, what do, what did you find about it? I'm interested well, to know. I mean, well, with, well, with us, one of the things that really was my heart cry to move out here is really uh, kind of getting into like GMOs, genetically modified, you know, foods and and some of the just the pharmacia and just, you know, you know, a lot of us truth guys out there, you know, we don't like chemtrails and we don't like fluoride in our water, and rightfully so. We don't like the New World Order trying to kill us. Uh, you know, at least I don't, and especially my family. I have, I have uh, beautiful girls. Uh, two of our children that we've, you know, I have three girls, and two of them were home birth. So me and my wife are very, we try to be very natural and holistic in, in just about everything we do. Uh, not that I won't go to doctors. I will go to a doctor, um, but I will lay hands on my children first before going to a doctor. And believe for God to heal them, and and God has been uh, faithful with that. But uh, yeah, just so that was like one of the things that was drawing to me to come to a farm is yeah I've been just living more of an organic life, just trying to eat uh, eat better. Um, you know, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The Bible says, right? So I, I just we we need to be aware of what we're eating, how we're living. Um, we need to be healthy. We need. You know, so it always grieves me when I when I when I encourage people to fast and they say, "Oh, I'm addicted to Coke and 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 pop and soda and all that kind of stuff. I can never fast. I'd get a headache." And it's just like, "Oh, that grieves me." You know, you're addicted to things. And yeah, yeah, that's limiting so, your that's limiting your relationship. You're letting so food, you, food get in the way. 
So have you found moving out there uh, has helped that sort of make it more uh, prominent? You know, you're sort of separated in, in a physical sense from a lot of the sort of, you know, smokestacks and and all the stuff that, that we sort of, you know, that that kind of stuff. Is that sort of making it more of a point, or is that where you're going with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was something that was attractive to me, say, two, three years ago when I started seeing the possibility of moving to Indiana as a, as, you know, where I could maybe, that's something I could do. But now I'm here, yeah. like I see, I'm here for, you know, for much more than that. But I know, but I don't want to do big farming. I don't want to do big agriculture, you know. I don't want to do the, the Monsanto thing. <laughs> I want right. I, I want sustainable agriculture here, you know, and that and that's my vision for the land is not only sustainable agriculture where I could live off this land, but where I could provide for the needs of others um physically and spiritually and um and I guess Yeah, that's you know it's a great uh, a great goal and certainly um and certainly there's a need for those kinds of, you know, uh farming techniques even commercially, you know, so if if there was a monetary p- way that you could support whatever it was, the halfway house or what have you, uh, like there's a great um, thing here locally called Thistle Farms, a Magdalene house. It was for prostitutes and former prostitutes here in Nashville, and they have a, a farm like that that's a natural farm that uh, does something very, very similar to that. And it is it is a good place for them to go because it's de- definitely hard for prostitutes because of the uh they need a place that's kind of far away like that because of you know pimps and certain things yeah. and other sort of hangups and so on that's uh you know let me uh, ask you about um some some of the basic stuff here uh just to kind of give people some some ideas some and i mean by basic stuff like prayer bible reading worship these kinds of fundamental things in a christian's life just give me off the top of your head some of your thoughts whether they be you know what you've been finding useful or what have you let's just start with prayer well one thing when i first moved here my prayer life uh decreased um there was one the busyness but two you know this is interesting i hadn't prayed over the house when i first moved here and um i this house i'm living in i actually built 5 years ago so one of my heart's cry was to become mortgage free so my wife and i built this house for my mother-in-law and we were able to sell some of the land in order to pay for this house. So this house is paid for. So now I'm living mortgage-free. So I praise God for that. That was another one of my prayers, was that, God, you got to get me out of the mortgage, and I'm not going back to the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers to ask for money for another house ever again. So one of my prayers for the last couple of years has been, Lord, get me out of the, the banking system, and God has done that. So I'm living mortgage-free, praise God. And... Um, but when I, so I'm living in this house, but my mother-in-law has been living in this house for the last couple of years. And uh, I don't want to say that she made the house funky, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just something was going on spiritually in the house. And finally prayed over the house, and then my, I just saw my prayer life really change. So, I don't know, there's something about spiritual house cleaning. If, if anyone out there is having trouble sleeping, having just always fighting with their wife and kids. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to always blame accursed objects and stuff, but something worth looking into sometimes, you know. And so I prayed over the house, and then my prayer life totally changed. It was just like my wife and I were fighting like cats and dogs and everything, and and we never do. And prayed over the house, dedicated the house to God, and then my prayer life really changed. And I, I don't know about you, but i got to get in the quiet place. I need to get... I need to get in the closet. I need to close the door. I have three kids. Life can be busy and hectic. 
and I need to get alone with God. I need to get on my knees and really i got to have that private prayer life with God. I mean, that, that's essential for me, for my walk. What about uh, Bible uh, reading or, or study, or how do you... How do you work work that, and what's your what's your system? I wake up early in the morning because again my house can be loud and crazy. So I gotta I gotta get in the Word in the morning. Um, so many times I hear people say they don't have time, but you gotta make time. You have to. You have to make it a priority. If you, if you got time to watch TV for thirty minutes, then that means you had time to, you know, get in God's Word for thirty minutes. And so, so what are you uh, reading? Uh, particular I, books? I, I, or you I, just sort I, of. I, I, I love the Bible. I mean, I'm just yeah, I'm just in in my Bible uh, mostly, uh, and I and I make sure to read a book at a time. You know, some people want to do uh, devotionals and little pick verses here and there. I'm not really big on that. It's kind of like taking just sound bites. I like to hear the read a whole book, so I feel like I get the context better. Um, I've heard Mark Hill say, "Read with 20/20 vision." When you read a verse, 20 verses before and 20 verses after. But uh, yeah, I make sure that. And I, you know, I, I at, in January every year, and I don't want to be religious about this, but every January I start in Genesis, and uh, I read through the Bible. So every year I try to make sure that I've read the whole Bible. Um, and then after that, I really just I pray about it. And I say, God, where, where would you have? What would you have me read? After I've read the Bible, I, I ask God what books He would have me read. Sometimes I'll end up reading Romans or Hebrews three, four times in a year. You know, I, I really I, I ask God what. He would have me read, and it's always cool when I when I do that. But I'm asking God, what would you have me read? What would you have, you know, where do you want me to, you know, what do you want me to be in? And when I do that, I always get all these confirmations because then those verses will just be coming up left and right, or I'll need, I'll have, I need to use that verse I just read today for somebody, and it's just it's cool how God uses that. So that, that that's that's a method that's worked for me. Um, yeah, I like getting into commentaries as well online, and you know, to further dig into certain books, especially when I have questions and things. We've been finding any. Have you been finding anything uh, interesting lately in the scriptures that's on the tip of your tongue? Or well, you know, like I said, if there's been a theme this 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 past year for me, it's been really just like, you know, what is what is worshiping God in spirit and truth look like? You know, what would what would what would it look like if I was just on an island and I didn't have all these outside influences? You know, um, and what would what would that look like? Well, I've kind of changed the way I talk a little bit, um, and that like. I don't know, like even like saved, the word saved, for example, uh, sozo, you know, the Greek word. Um, you know, we always, I find people always ask me, oh, when did you get saved? Does anyone ever ask anybody that in the Bible? <laughs> Not that I know no, of, no. I, right. So it's just, right, because we're, we're working on our salvation. You know, so it's like, so then people are like, well, once saved, always saved. And I'm like, well, I don't know if we're even saved yet. He hasn't come back yet. We haven't. All things haven't been. I don't know. So like, I, maybe I'm looking into things too much. But those are the kind of things I've been kind of. Well, it is true. I mean, that the salvation is, has the connotation of deliverance a lot of times in the Bible, and it will it will kind of mess you up a little bit if you if you have the sort of modern English uh, version of that uh, in some cases in the Bible, right, so, especially as yeah, you mentioned, so been, sort of eschatological stuff. Yeah. So I've been taking. Yeah, I've been taking kind of a look at that. Just, just some of the language that we use sometimes we, we we tend to speak our own christianese and i'm trying to get away from that a little bit and yeah i've just been looking at what does it look like to be separate what is it you know i'm trying to you know we homeschool our girls 
now, and that's that's been a real blessing. Uh, documentary we watched about a year ago that really got us. We were on the fence for a while, and then what got us off the fence was uh, oh, what was that? Docu- I watched a wonderful documentary. Now I can't think of it. Um, oh boy, but uh, it's uh, if anyone's thinking about homeschooling their kids, uh, me or my wife would love to talk to you about it. It's been a wonderful blessing. It's brought our family closer together. But so now that see, so here's the thing. Okay, so I'm like this. We're, we're having home births. We're we're homeschooling. We're doing all these things. And then if if I start a church around our land, I feel like I don't want to become Amish. <laughs> I don't want to be completely separate. You know. So I guess that's a fear of mine. Is like I don't want to be like. I don't want to become David Koresh. <laughs> I don't want to be this. Right. Cult leader. <laughs> out <of the> sticks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. I was actually we we were uh, just um, looking for a place kind of like that, just somewhere out outside of the city. I don't know, just sort of thinking about um, getting out of the city and maybe doing something a little bit more like that. And just don't really know, just sort of toying with the idea right now. But uh, but yeah, that that's come up a few times, you know, where I thought, well, it might be good to. I re- I really I really would like to see churches um, kind of start over, you know. It, in a sense, I mean, certainly not doctrinally, you know, at least, you know, certainly in the it, not trying to do something different, but maybe trying to do do things completely out of the box, you know, and really focus on it. But, you know, the, the problem is, is that there's been a lot of attempts by that, you know, by that. And the Holy Spirit leads people to do that. I, I absolutely convinced of it. And there's lots of churches in, in the country that the Holy Spirit is is working on and, you know, was a part in starting but they always seem to have a, a shelf life, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've noticed that, and that that's something that concerns me. And I've been I've been seeking God on that. Like, how do you, you know, you know what? Because I don't know, man gets in the way. You know what? When the children of Israel were following the cloud in in the, in the wilderness, the cloud kept moving. You know, sometimes it would stop, and sometimes they would set up camp, but it would keep moving. And I feel like that's the thing. The Holy Spirit's always moving. And a lot of times we want to set up camp. And then the, spirit, then the cloud starts moving again. It's kind of like, wait a minute. I like what I got set up over here. You know? So we got to keep moving. we got to keep, you know, and I'm not saying, like, you know, doctrine is doctrine. I, I'm very 100% doctrine guy. Like, I, I'm not saying, like, things are always changing. And, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? But we always, always got to be following God. You know, I think a lot of times we, like, we set up something and then it's like, but God wants us to do do something else. Perfect example is me in Chicago. I was loving. I was completely content where I was. Okay, and God had me move here. I know it for a fact that He had me move here, and it was something I wasn't ready to do, but I knew I was supposed to. And that's you know, walking with God, it, He's going to keep you uncomfortable. You know, when I get comfortable, I get slack, and then I get I get in sin sometimes. You know, a lot of times too. So. God, you know, I want God to keep me uncomfortable. In a, in a sense, you know what I mean. I don't. I don't want to get yeah. in that lazy sense or like I got it all figured out and now I can put my feet up type of Christianity. I don't want that. You know, just when I thought I had it all figured out, yeah, God goes and moves me to Indiana, and now I'm doing this thing. So, um, I think that's a lot of times where we've seen, you know, things start good but just not finish well. It's just I think because then people then get set in their own ways and stop being obedient to God's voice because then they've kind of become rigid then. And then they've, they've kind of almost formed their religion. And I really want to avoid that. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm well, with you, um, I'm with you on that. I mean, I'm, I'm all for, um, yeah, almost a revolution, not a reformation. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many different things I'd like to to see, and I think that I think that it's not a matter of you know, it says that knowledge will increase in the end times, and I'm not really sure what that means yet. Um, but I do know that knowledge of the Bible is increasing. Um, we have, I'm, I'm sitting in front of a computer, I've been doing a study today in Daniel, I have just the speed it takes me to do some just basic searches through the Bible of certain Greek words and so on and so forth, and lexicons and all this stuff that's just standard stuff. I mean, I can do what uh, um, a, a theologian, you know, nine times my intellect could only do after weeks. You know, I could do in an hour. Yeah, John Wesley and those guys, I'm sure, wish they had the tools that we have access to. <laughs> right, and, and I think in that regard, some of the, the some of the things, nothing nothing new in terms of, but a lot of these um, a lot of these things, I think, are coming. And a little better understood, and so on and so forth. But uh, I don't think really anything doctrinally. In fact, I, I'm quite certain that nothing, nothing that that's uh, you know hasn't. It's all been done before in terms of doctrine. Anyways, uh, so I guess we're getting closer to the end here. Um, I know you probably, if you have anything else on the list, uh, we can certainly hit all that, and then uh, I guess sort of, but in in way of wrapping up when, when you get done with that, if, uh, to just sort of. Anything that you have for the people, you know, there's lots of folks out here that are either new Christians or, um, you know, or are just somewhere in that area where they, they, and just what you would say to them in regard to their fellowship of Christ and what that means, and yeah. so on and so forth. Well, um, one thing I want to say, and I, I hit this the last time I, I spoke with Chris, was that we really have the... Uh, the authority. Jesus has given us all authority, and we need to be walking in that. Um, we need to be walking in that. Um, we have power in our words, and that's every word. Um, I recent, I recently uh, got a phone call from somebody back in Chicago that I haven't seen in three months, and this woman calls me, and this is someone that I, when she says she heard something from the Lord, I, I, I listen, and she said, Victor, um, your middle child is going through some stuff right now, and when she was in the womb, you made a, a comment, and you said X, Y, Z, and I don't even want to repeat what I said. And she goes, because of that, your daughter is going through rejection. And I said, I don't remember saying that. She goes, your wife does. And I said, okay. So I came home, and I told my wife, and my wife says, yes, I remember you saying that, and it really hurt my feelings. And I said, wow, I don't even remember saying that, but I want to that you would remember. So um, we took my daughter, we laid hands on her, and I broke those word curses. I renounced what I had said, and we prayed over my daughter and spoke life into her and let her know that, you know, we just we spoke life and blessings over her. And my daughter has not been the same. She's only two years old, or three years old, sorry, and she has no idea what we were praying over. She doesn't understand anything. But my daughter is a completely different girl than she was a month ago. And so I say that to, one, caution everybody to be very careful about the words we say because our words have power. The Bible says that we will be held accountable for every idle word. So we need to take that very seriously. So we can speak life, we can speak blessings, we can speak curses. So I want to uh, emphasize that to everybody. 
I've, yeah, that's Matthew twelve thirty six. Uh, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Yeah, and if that doesn't make you, that's if that doesn't make scary. you shake in your boots, then you don't have a healthy fear of the Lord. I mean, that's all I can say about that. You know, so I, I that 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 scares me. Um, so, anyways, but also know that you've been given the authority. So, if you're experiencing depression in your life, if you're experiencing you know, whatever you're going through, uh, you know, not to get all super Joel Osteen about it, but I encourage you to speak life in your circumstances and to speak blessings and just know that you can tell those things to go. We we have a power and authority and I've seen time and time again God move and and it was so cool to get the gay pride parade. I had a guy I was trying to interview one guy and this other guy kept coming up after me and he was like manifesting like demonically and saying all these outrageous things. And I was too busy to even talk to the guy that was screaming at me. And I started praying silently. I said, God, send I go, will you stop this guy? Send like get one of my brothers to stop this guy, something. All of a sudden the guy came over, he started to talk and then his mouth shut up and he just did a one eighty and walked away. And it was like I can feel the prayers coming across me. And I looked over to my left and twenty feet away I had a one of my brothers was twenty feet away and he just looked at me and he winked at me. And then the guy came back about five minutes later. He started to curse at me again. He, his mouth shut up, and he walked away. And I looked 20 feet down the street, and there was my brother again looking down there, and he winked at me. So when it was all done, I go, I'm like, Were you, did you handle that? And he goes, yep. He's like, I've seen that guy coming, and I, and I bound it. So you know what? I, I, I could give you 100 testimonies like that. Time and time again, I've seen you know, the devil have to take, turn tail and run. So we speak, just use your authority. Don't you are not defeated. You are more than a conqueror, and you have life and death. and And use what God has given you. Don't be in fear uh, of, of 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 the dark forces here. And uh, yeah, just keep looking for the return of our Lord. The world's getting darker, and and uh, yeah. you just want Luke ten nineteen. Luke ten nineteen and 20 says that uh, we are given authority over all snakes and scorpions so that nothing shall by any means harm us. And he says that in that, that we that the spirits are subject unto us. So that's a that's a great authority that he gives to to Christians, you know, right out of the gate. That's not a spiritual gift. That's just something that Satan doesn't want you to know, but that you have if you are really saved. Right. So in the right of myself, yeah, there's, you know, you know, dark, you know, the dark spirits, yeah, they can crush me, man. I'm just, who am I? But you know what? You know, I, I'm covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been bought with a price. You know, I, I, we're going to be co-heirs. co-heirs. I, I, I claim all that stuff, and I just I just know that I, I, I've seen demons flee at the name of Jesus, and it's just, and it, it, just walking that. You got we got to use our authority because the days are getting darker, and we can't rely on the sword. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta rely on Jesus. Amen to that. Well, uh, is that all you got there? You got anything else for us? No, that's what I got for you, man. I, I thank all you right. again for, uh, for giving me the time and the fact that anybody even would like to hear what I'm doing. And Again, I throw that out to anybody. I'm not asking for everyone to show up at my doorstep next week. But if, <laughs> if you do feel led to do this, you know, I was talking to Mark Cahill recently, which I want to thank you for that. I, I, me and Mark Cahill have become friends, and that, that's all because of you. Uh, I didn't know who he was until I... I, I learned of him through you, but uh, yeah. So Mark and I, we've we've gotten to do some stuff together now. And anyways, he he's actually looking at farm property. And uh, Devin Wyman, the football player, I was telling you about, he's looking at farm property. Or no, he just got farm property. 
And what was interesting, when I, when I saw him last, he said that people were giving him cows. And he goes, Vic, he goes, God's giving the wealth to those that have been good stewards. He's like, he's like there's a transferring of the wealth. And I'm like, eh, I've kind of heard that from some of those Kingdom Now people. I don't know if I buy all that. But you know what? I came home and someone offered me a horse for free. So, <laughs> I don't know. You know, just be a good, I, I encourage people, be a good steward of what God's given you. With Be a good steward of your time. Be a good steward with your wealth. And, uh, yeah. That's a good word, Vic. I know that a lot of people are going to be blessed by your uh, your word here for us. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. All right. Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure. God bless you, All man, right. and everything that you're doing. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I've done for free at NowhereToRunRadio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. You can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time.